Beautiful robe so white, beautiful land of light, and beautiful home so bright, where there shall come no night. Beautiful crown I'll wear, shining and bright, oh, there, yonder in mansions fair, in gather us there, and beautiful robes, and beautiful land, and beautiful home, and beautiful bed, and beautiful crown I wear, it's shining so shining, it's shining so fair, and beautiful mansions bright, and gather us there, yes, gather us there. Beautiful thought to me, we shall forever be, thine in eternity, when from this world we're free, free from its soul and care. In heavenly joys to share, and let me cross over there, and this is my prayer, and beautiful robes, and beautiful land, and beautiful home, and beautiful bed, and beautiful Shining so shining and shining so fair and beautiful mansions bright and gather us there, yes, gather us there. Beautiful things on high over in yonder sky, thus I shall leave this shore in counting my treasures o'er. Where we shall never die, carry me by and by, and never to sorrow more, in heavenly store, and beautiful robes, and beautiful land, and beautiful home, and beautiful Shining, yes, shining so fair, and beautiful mansions bright, and gather us there, yes, gather us there. Amen. Please turn to page 23 in your faith and praise books. Once again, that is page 23 in your faith and praise books. Our God, he is alive. Follow the sun. There is beyond the azure blue 
a God conceived from human side, and eats in the skies with heavenly hue, and frame the worlds with his great might. There is a God, he is alive, in him we live, and we survive. From dust our God, and created man, he is our God, and the great I am, there was a long, long time ago, a God whose voice the prophets heard, he God that we should know, who speaks from his inspired word. There is a God, he is alive, in him we live and we survive. From dust our God, created man, he our God, the great I am, secure is life from mortal mind. God holds a germ within his hand, though men may search, they cannot find, for God alone does understand. There is a God, he is alive, in him we live and we survive. From dust our God, created man, he is our God, the great I am, our God, who sun upon a tree, alive was willing there to give, that he from sin might set man free, and evermore with him could live. There is a God, he is alive, in him we live and we survive. From dust our God, created man, he is our God.
dust our God uh, created man. He is our God. He is the great I am. Uh, what a wonderful song uh, of adoration and praise uh, as we lift up our voices unto God. Surely, uh, God, I believe, is pleased uh, with our spiritual acts of worship thus far. Uh, it is always a blessing to be in the worship services of the Lord. Uh, thank you, Brother Culpepper, for leading us in those songs before the Lord. And surely we want to thank all of you for adding your voices to the song service and making it what it is. Uh, the Bible says that we give him the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips. And we do that continually. And so when we lift the Lord up in song and we do it together uh, in worship, we are fulfilling the biblical text when it says that we speak to ourselves in Ephesians 5 in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts unto the Lord. So thank you very much uh, for the act of worship and certainly the reading of the scripture uh, and the wording of the prayer. Uh, these are all the spiritual acts of worship that God has asked us to deliver unto him as we do it as a, a spiritual sacrifice. Amen. We are living sacrifices uh, that we present before God. And so thank you. Uh, for so very much for uh, those acts of worship thus far. We want to call your attention now to the preaching of God's word. Uh, we want to share with you uh, what thus saith the Lord, and uh, surely, uh, as you have probably uh, caught on to by now, uh, I'm going to ask a question before I get into uh, the lesson this morning, and it'll probably be the only question that I ask each time before I start speaking from God's word. Do you have your Bible? Uh, you have your Bible in your hand, or you have your, and, and whether it's in the form of our, uh, our uh, if you will, our physical, tactile feeling of our paper in our hand, amen, that, that, that's good, it's always good, amen, to have it in your hand, because if your battery go down, what you going to do? But, but if you have your battery, amen, if you, if you have your digital form, that's all right, too, as long as it's, uh, your app is uh, turned over to the Bible, Amen. And now I use the King James Version 1611 or the American Standard 1901. You may hear me quoting uh, from either one. But six, J King James uh, 1611, that's the KJV 1611 or the American Standard 1901. Either one of those uh, will be sufficient uh, as you follow along uh, with the lesson. And I pray that you, uh, uh, you have your, your, your mind on Christ. Amen. I uh, have your mind on Christ because this is, this is his time. Amen. Uh, uh, rest assured, if God allows for the sun to keep shining and the world to keep turning, all of your problems will still be there after worship. Amen. Amen. They ain't going nowhere. Amen. Amen. But right now, we're going to turn our minds to Christ. Uh, and, and, and what we're going to do is we're going to beseech him. Uh, we're going to ask him. We're going to, uh, if you will, uh, ask that he gives us the strength to deal with those problems we know we're going to have to deal with, uh, amen, as we uh, move into the, the, the regular uh, existence that we have before us. But right now, we're in worship, amen. And in order to worship God in spirit and in truth, uh, we need to open up our Bibles uh, because the Bible says we look into his word. Amen. Search the scripture, he says, for in them you think you have eternal life. Uh, we remember Paul when he said, when he was in Athens with all of the scholars, amen. You know, Athens was the seat of wisdom. 
uh, the Grecian people, they, 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 the Phoenician people, they were considered to be wise among the world, amen. People would go and come from far and near uh, to hear the wisdom of the scholars, amen. Uh, but the, the, uh, the Epicurean, the Stoics, amen. But nevertheless, Paul said something very important, amen. He said those of Berea were more noble than those of Thessalonica in that they searched the scriptures and they did it daily to see if what Paul was saying was true. That tells us that somebody was interested in what God had to say uh, about the matter. And so we, we, we do that every Lord's Day. We are in search of uh, God's word. We are listening for his will, uh, uh, for the purpose and intent that we may apply it to our lives, uh, that we may become better people uh, than, than, than when we first arrived, amen. Uh, even as Christians, uh, when we come here together, as we gather together to form the church, amen, uh, the, the, the Lord's people, if you will, don't go to church. We are the church, amen. What we do is come to worship, amen. So when we gather ourselves together, uh, as God's people, as his children. We are here to learn God's will so that we can grow and develop and be better uh, tomorrow, amen, even in the next moment than we were in the previous moment. You may be here and you may not be uh, uh, someone who has obeyed the gospel. You may not have uh, committed yourself to God in, in that way. Uh, and so you are here and, and, and thank God for your presence. Because you are here now to consider and to ponder uh, whether or not you want to remain uh, in that condition, amen, or whether or not you want to move into the way uh, that leads unto eternal life, uh, because that is where you are today. You are present among God's people, uh, and being among God's people, uh, you are now, if you will, seeing what it means to travel. Uh, in the way that leads to eternal life. And Jesus says, I am the way. He says, I'm the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so we are thankful for your presence as well. And we pray that uh, uh, in whatever form that you've chosen to follow us along in the scripture, we, we hope that you will avail yourself of, uh, of, of, of engaging uh, in the reading uh, and the meditation on God's word uh, at this time. The Hebrew text helps us to understand some things about God's word. Surely those of us who have committed some time to uh, reading the antiquities of scripture and spiritual writings, uh, we have come away with uh, at least a common understanding that uh, the word that we have received came from uh, God's apostles. Amen. Uh, not only did it come from his apostles, but it came also from his prophets. Uh, in, in many cases, you'll find prophetess who are quoted uh, in the biblical text, especially uh, in the Old Testament. And so we know that uh, whichever uh, you, uh, book you may find us in, whether it is in the Old Testament or the New Testament, we know that we are reading spiritual matters. Because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, if you will, uh, moved people, inspired them to write. Uh, God's word. Uh, and so whereby when we read, we can get an understanding of the many mysteries that God has placed in his biblical text. And we almost be, we always must be humble enough to understand that 
uh, there will come a time, as you read the biblical text, that there may be things where God has not revealed. Amen. Deuteronomy 29 and 29 says that the secret things belong to the Lord. But those things that God wanted us to know, he's revealed them. And so where has he revealed those things? He's revealed them in his word. And that's why we open up the Bible. That's why we study the word of God. Amen. We don't get into mysticism. We don't, we don't start trying to, to delve into things that God has hidden. Amen. Uh, I, I always find it interesting that, that uh, when, you, when you look at those uh, movies, those mysteries, and especially the horror movies, amen, seems like the one who, who, is, who is somebody else's business is the one who wind up dead. I think that's a message, amen. Just stay out of other folk business, amen. They just do, hey, all right. But we, we need to make sure that we stay out of God's business that has been left to him, amen, and just deal with what he has revealed unto us. I believe that if we can just stay with Genesis to Revelations, you have enough to try to learn about God that will last your lifetime and many other lifetimes, amen, instead of trying to get into some mysticism. Amen. Whether or not ghosts talk from the grave and all this other kind of stuff. Amen. You better be hoping that you don't go where that ghost go. That's what I think. Amen. He may be in some place you don't want to be in. Uh, but with that being said, we, we need to see Hebrews as another epistle that is bringing together the mysteries of why God unfolded through Abraham and unfolded through Moses and other men of God. Certainly, we spoke about Christ Jesus being the culminating event of all of Christianity. But, un, but surely, from the beginning of Genesis, and we've already been there, we've been with Noah, we've been with his family, we, 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 we reviewed some of the, uh, the principal matters, the significant matters that led to the construct of the ark that they traveled in in order to land on uh, 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 soil again to to continue to perpetuate God's creation of man. Uh, we visited Noah, and, and, and we've been uh, with Abraham, and, and, and uh, the promises that were made to Abraham, and the promises that were made not only to Abraham, but also to Sarah. And so we, we visited with them, and we, we, we've looked at some uh, important principles that uh, Abraham and, and uh, Sarah's life uh, 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 communicate to us, especially Abraham himself, as we looked at Galatians for a moment, and we saw where uh, we we are identified in the writings of Apostle Paul, where he says to the churches of Galatia that 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 uh, that uh, 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 if we be Abraham's seed, and and he mentions that because he says Abraham is the father of faith, and and if we are too the people of faith, then we are, if you will, Abraham's children. And so he just simply letting us know that, 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 that if we're following after the faith that Abraham had, amen, a faith that was uh, God had identified as one that should be imputed with righteousness, one that said that Abraham became a friend of God because of his faithfulness. And I want to make that very clear. He became a friend of God because of his faithfulness. It didn't say he was perfect, amen. But he said he was faithful. Amen. And so we need to understand that we cannot be ignorant of our faith. We talked about that subject. Amen. You can't have faith with ignorance. You need to have faith without ignorance. Amen. Uh, sometimes we, we, we put the weight of the world on our shoulders and we don't have the right uh, uh, foundation to hold the weight of the world on our shoulders. Amen. 
And so we need to understand that, that this life that we are living is a life of maturity. It's a life of evolving. It's a life of developing. It's a life of striving to become better. And that's what Abraham did. That's what Noah did. And that's what Moses will show us as we get to him in the tabernacle. But all of these things is about developing. As a matter of fact, before we even get into Hebrews chapter 6, where we were reading our scripture text, and remember in Hebrews chapter 5, Paul was writing to the church, to the Hebrews, the diaspora, those who had committed themselves to the way of Christ. Uh, they may have been practicing Judaism at one time. They may have been practicing other things as the Grecians uh, uh, often did. They were worshiping other gods at one time. But he writes to them, and he writes to them, if you will, to let them know that you need to continue to grow and to mature in the word of God if you're going to remain faithful and if you're going to, re if you're going to continue to outrun, and I said it, outrun apostasy. Because you can't, amen, you can't ever think that apostasy is going to go away. But what you can do is try to outrun it, amen. And by, by staying in God's word and by focusing on God's word and reading God's word and in evolving and developing and, and becoming better people in the future than we were in the past, you can stay ahead of apostasy. And so Paul says in Hebrews chapter 5 and verses 11 through 14, he talks about how, the, how, how we need to become, uh, should have become teachers and, 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 and those who have uh, become, uh, if you will, uh, able to handle strong meat as opposed to those who are on milk and those who have not exercised, if you will, the, the word of God in their lives, being able to discern the difference between good and evil. So God lets us know, even before we get to Hebrews chapter, chapter 6, he lets us know in Hebrews chapter 5, as he write to the church that this is a life of growth and development. Nobody goes into the water perfect and you certainly don't come out of the water perfect. But you are on a journey. You're on a journey to develop and to grow and to become better uh, every day. And that's why the Bible says that the, 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 the Bereans were more noble than those of Thessalonica and that they searched the scriptures daily. Amen. Every day we're looking in the scripture to see as James would say, what manner of man that we are. To see who we are in God's word. So that by seeing who we are, we're able to, to, to take God's word and apply it to our lives that we can be better people as we move forward into the future. And so Paul shares that in Hebrews chapter 5. And he lets us know as he, as he sets up Hebrews chapter 6. Because now we get back into the discussion about Abraham. And Abraham, in the context of God showing us something about himself, and that is God is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, wishing none to perish, but that all should come unto repentance, 2 Peter 3 and 9. We know that God is a God that makes promises. And he's of God that has promised man. And he, and he promised Abraham. He promised Abraham, and not only Abraham, but he promised Adam and Eve. He made promises. And God keeps his promises. Amen. And notice that God says, and you may say, well, what promise did he make to Adam and Eve? I don't, I don't remember the word promise in those first biblical texts. I don't, I don't remember reading the explicit 
express word promise in that text. Now, now, I know he made some promises to Abraham. I know that, and we can find where he made that promise to Abraham. But, but, but what, about, what about Adam and Eve? Well, the Bible says that he told Adam and Eve, based on the biblical text, he said, if, if, he said every tree that was in the midst of the garden, in the garden, you can eat thereof, but the tree that is in the midst of the garden, you can't eat thereof, because the day you eat of it, thou shalt surely die. That's a promise. That's a promise, and God ain't slack concerning his promise. Because as soon as they violated the eating of the tree, the light turned upside down. God is not slack concerning his promise. He said to Abraham, he said, I will make thee a father of many nations. He said to Sarah, you will be a mother of many nations. And, 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 and we see here that God is not a God that is slack concerning his promises. God makes a promise. He, when he makes that promise, it's a promise made and it's a promise kept. He made it to be so that the seed of Abraham would enter into Canaan land. And they would have the land, the land that flowed with milk and honey. They would have houses that they did not build. They would have cattle that they did not raise, farms that they did not plant. They would have the jewels, the gold, the silver, the mines that they did not dig. These would be the blessings that God would promise and give unto the, um, to the Hebrews, the children of Abraham. And God allowed that to come to fruition. God is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. And as he promised Abraham, and as he, promised, he made a promise to Adam and Eve, and, and as he makes his promise to us, if we are faithful unto death, he'll give us a crown of life that fadeth not away. God has made a promise, and if we stay faithful unto God, it will be a promise that is kept. He has shown himself to be one who keeps promises. And so we look at Hebrews we look at Hebrews chapter 6 because we are transitioning from Abraham into a new conversation. A conversation that would include the tabernacle as we began to look at the emergence of the Hebrews from Egypt. And as God begins to share with us how he heard the cry of his people. And he sends Moses down there to say to Pharaoh to let my people go. These are the things that we are about to embark on as we make a transition from Abraham. But I have to show you that God fulfilled his promise with Abraham. That Abraham's seed, if you will, uh, was in fact uh, innumerable. He had those... Uh, Isaac and, and, and Jacob, those two uh, powerful uh, uh, images that, that now become the foundation of the children of Israel. He, 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 he lets us know that, 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 that in Isaac all the world would, would be blessed. And, and we realize that the, the unfolding of how God took uh, uh, Abraham and, and, and gave him a seed that he didn't expect to have, but God had a promise to keep. He had a promise to keep. He said Sarah would have a child. Not, 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 not Hagar. Hagar wasn't in that promise. The promise was with Sarah. And now they tried to help God along, and I always say when you start helping God along, that's when you run into trouble. 
God don't need your help. We need God's help. Amen. Amen. Don't think you can help the Lord. We need the Lord's help. Amen. As a matter of fact, that's why we come to worship every Lord's day. <laughs> because we need the Lord's help. Amen. Uh, but nevertheless, they tried to help him along, and they made some mistakes when they tried, started trying to help God along. But, but, but God still kept his promise because Sarah was able to give child, have birth, and bring forth that child. And it was through that child that God blessed Abraham uh, uh, to become the father of many nations and Sarah to become the mother of many nations. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 1, we find Paul writing to us again. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. See, there's the principle of of maturity and growth, development. But remember, he's writing to the church. He's writing to the people of God. And he's writing to them because of the challenges of life that have come upon them that has caused them to, to, to waver in their groundedness. In other words, there is a process of development in time, the, 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 the individual who has become a member of the body of Christ grows to the point where they can help somebody else. They should be able to strengthen themselves through the study and the application of God's word to the point where they can be able, they're able, if you will, to help someone else. Amen. But if you haven't applied the word of God, if you haven't exercised the word of God in your life, to discern both good and evil. It's a challenge for you to do that. And even now, if you haven't uh, applied the word of God. And some may say, well, Brother Cooper, I've been in the church for 30, 40 years. And, 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 but, but, but if you haven't applied the word of God, you spent a lot of time, but you haven't been effective. Because you haven't taken the time through the word of God to build your life. To be strengthened in God's word. And that is where we come uh, to Paul's conversation because Paul is saying to the Hebrews, you are, yes, followers of God, followers of Christ, amen, children of God, members of the body of Christ, the church of Christ, yes, but are you applying the word of God to your life? Are you becoming spiritually fit like you try to become physically fit? Boy, if we spent more time trying to become spiritually fit than physically fit, this world be on fire, amen. But we, we, we need to become spiritually fit because we've exercised the word of God in our lives. Where the things that we used to do before the cross are so in the distant past that, that, that it doesn't even touch us. Doesn't even bother us anymore. Amen. We picked up that cross and we put it on our shoulder and we've been marching in this way of Christ. And so the past doesn't hold us back anymore. What we did, we can't change it. But we can certainly look forward to shaping the future of our lives in a spiritual way because of our belief in Christ Jesus. And this is what we see that Paul writes to the, to the Hebrews and, and, and especially as he talks about the, the, the idea of not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith and of faith toward God. He said, look, you, you've obeyed the gospel. You need to focus on being faithful. You need to focus on being faithful and not being ignorant of God's word, but focus on being faithful because there's some promises that God's going to keep. There's some things that come along with those promises. 
that has a prerequisite of you living a faithful life. Not laying the foundation of death's works and the repentance toward God. And all those things should be so far behind you that they don't touch you anymore. But you're growing spiritually every day. You're growing spiritually fit every day. And look what he says. How many times are we going to argue that baptism is essential for the remission of sin? (laughs) How many times do we have to argue that point? Amen. Baptism is essential. It's imperative. It's a necessity in order for you to be saved. We shouldn't be arguing over that. There should be no there should be no lectureship talking about is baptism necessary. Are you kidding? You're still dealing with the first principle. What we should be talking about is how do we live better together as human beings with a society that continues to go against God's word. Now that's a lectureship. <laughs> how do I love my neighbor as myself? Especially when they keep trying to poison my dog. Oh, amen. How do I love my neighbor as myself when they're posting signs in front of their yard that is trying to to denigrate who I am and my ethnicity? You tell me how I love them. That's a lectureship. Amen. But we sit here talking about first principles. How to obey the gospel and, and whether or not song, song service is, 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 is based on the collective body lifting up their voices and praise to God. We are about praise here. Are you kidding me? The Bible doesn't even speak about praise teams. It talks about us collectively, the church coming together. From the beginning and end, even if you use uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 as your foundation. And I don't care whether you want to argue if it's miraculous or, or not miraculous. It doesn't make a difference. It starts with the church. It ends with the church. Amen. We come together when the whole body comes together. Where you go with that? It's about us coming together. But we're arguing about whether or not we should have praise teams and, or whether or not we should be Singing together. You tell me where we are in our exercising of the word of God. Are we moving forward? Are we developing? Help me understand what my role is in influencing society. When it comes to the influences of the devil that have been left behind that causes individuals to hate one another without a cause. Help me deal with that issue. Lord have mercy. That's a lectureship. How does a child of God, how does a Christian go to work being beaten down by all the secular things that happen at work and all the secular things that happen in our community, by all the things that are caught up in our politics, about all, how do we begin to continue to live and to keep our head up toward God? That's a lectureship. But don't start talking about whether or not the Church of Christ is the only church. That shouldn't even be a conversation. When you're a member of the body of Christ, the Church of Christ, unless you obey the gospel in vain, that ain't even an issue. The challenges that we have that Paul writes to the Hebrews about is that sometimes we lose focus on the promise. Remember the promises 
remain faithful unto death. Revelations 2 and 10. Turn over to Revelations 2 and 10. I want, to see, I want you to see the promise. And, and, and as, as John writes, and since we're talking about the last things, eschatology, when John writes the book of Revelations and he's, and he's writing about what happens in terms of God fulfilling his promise, as he did with the children of Abraham and gave them the lands uh, and, the, and, the, and the inheritance that he promised that, they, that he would be, if you will, father of many nations and Sarah would be the mother of many nations. He, he did this and, 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 and he provided all of that. He, he brought Abraham's uh, generation to the culminating point of the fulfilling of his promise and he will do the same with the Christian In Revelations 2 and 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Boy, I wish I had time. I can pitch a tent there and preach on that. I just don't have time this morning. Because a lot of folk think they don't have to suffer in Christ. <laughs> you know, you, you get your televangelists, they tell you that the world needs to be, to, to be all rosy in order for you to be, have a relationship with God. And God said, I ain't never said that. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. So you already know, as soon as you turn on the TV set and you start listening to those, you, 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 the televangelists, and they start talking about your life ain't this and your life ain't that because you don't have a relationship with God and all this kind of, let me tell you something. You better open up your Bible. You better open up the word of God and understand that suffering does not become uh, absent from a Christian's life. As a matter of fact, it is through your suffering that you begin to truly understand the cross of Christ. Amen. 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 But I don't have time. I got to stop. But you got the suffering. He says, those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold the devil. Woo, that devil. Shall cast some of you into prison. They, I'm, I'm sorry, that ye may be tried, tested. Now, 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 some of you may want to talk about physical prison. So, you know, as, 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 if, as if God was talking about sing, sing. You know, uh, you know, a lot of us want to take God's spiritual talk and put it into a, a reality that, 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 that is not relevant. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that there's no Christians in prison. I'm sure that there are. Amen. Especially if they obeyed the gospel. Amen. If they obeyed the gospel in prison, obeying the gospel don't get you released from the jail cell. Amen. But it does put you on a different trajectory. Amen. Lord, don't get me to preaching right there. Because, I look, I can be in prison, hear the gospel, obey the word of God, continue to live faithful in prison, and guess what? Make it to heaven. Well, I don't have time for that. I have time for that, but, but let me tell you something. So, so, so let's get out of this prison issue. Of the, he, the, the prison is the prison of sin. The prison of sin. And the devil wants you to be in sin. You need some help with that? When you get some time, go to Romans chapter 6 and read the whole chapter of Romans chapter 6. You understand that we locked up. So 
so, so, so he says, the devil cast you in prison. And you'll be tested. Because let me tell you something. When you're in sin, you're being tested. Which one do you like more? Which one are you? do you have more of an affinity for? Do you want to be in prison of sin? Or do you want to exercise your freedom in righteousness? That's where you're being tested. And let me tell you something. Every day, each one of us are being challenged in our lives with the choices that we're going to make. Paul says we run this race focused on Christ, right? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You, you got to outrun that, will, that which will pull you down and destroy your soul. And let me tell you something, whenever you are spending time with those and, 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 and the devil that, that is getting you to compromise your faith, he is getting you to compromise your faith because once he So he says, the devil, John says, will cast some of you in prison that ye may be tried, and ye, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. And, and remember, this is revelation, so this is figurative language. You know, ten days. In other words, there will be a time period where you will have tribulation in your testing. That's suffering, y'all. That's suffering. And you're wrestling with yourself. And let me just get this to you, and because you need to get this, you know, I try to give you as much as I can in the first 10 to 15 minutes because about that time everybody starts checking out. But you got to get to the point where you understand that we wrestle not with flesh and blood. Amen. You're not fighting against one another. You're fighting against the influences of Satan that have been left behind. You see, lying, wickedness, jealousy, covetousness, these things are the, are, the, are the fruits and the attributes of Satan. They're not the things of God. And that's what you're fighting against. And each one of us are fighting against those things, amen, that are impacting our lives. But let me tell you something. There's one thing that you always have to remember. You have control over how you respond to every situation. You have control of how you respond to every situation. The devil doesn't want you to know that, but you should know that. So even though his influences have been left behind in the world, doesn't mean you have to respond the way that he would want you to respond. And I know that because Jesus, the master teacher, showed us that. The devil tried to get Jesus to respond to how he wanted him to respond. If thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. If thou be the son of God, cast thyself down from the stone. Jesus said, I don't listen to you. I'm listening to God. I don't respond the way you want me to respond. I'm responding to God. Because you know what? I know that God has a promise. And his promise says, if I'm faithful unto death, I'll receive a crown of life that fadeth not away. Now, he didn't say I won't suffer. He didn't say that I won't have to deal with the challenges and the tribulations of life. He didn't say that I won't have to deal with all of that. But he did say, if I remain faithful. His promise is that if I remain faithful, I'll receive a crown of life. That fadeth not away. You'll be tried. You'll have temptations, tribulations, ten days. 
And look what he says, be thou faithful unto death. And that's how I know that 10 days is not literally 10 days. Because he says, be faithful unto death. However long it takes, 10 days, 10 months, 10 years, whatever it takes, stay faithful. Stay faithful. Stay on the way, in the way that leads to everlasting life. Stay faithful unto death. Your death. Our individual death. Until your physical, spiritual sacrifice, as you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, when you can no longer do that because you have now entered into the realm of how God defines death, the body without the spirit is dead, being alone. Amen. Boy, I wish I had time. I wish I had time because, see, the hope of God's promises have been compromised by listening to the doctrines and the teachings of the world. We think that miracles in the world that are defined by man actually are defined in God's word, and they are not. And I'm just going to share this with you. I'm just going to share one story, one anecdote, because I need, you know, I'm trying to get you to relate to, 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 to getting out of the things of man when it comes, when, when God has his business, leave God's business alone, just deal with the business that he gave us to do. Right? Give you one example. And this is, this is, these are factual statements. That they, many of them uh, have, have come about, but, but they've become uh, so, so commonplace. Amen. You can, you, can, you can look it up on the Internet, those of you who are Internet savvy. You can just search it, and you can find as many as you want. But here's the example. So the paramedics come to the scene. It's a tragic accident. They find the person who's been injured in the scene, and they take the pulse. The doctor comes in and he finds the person sitting up. He says, wait a minute, you were pronounced dead. Let me tell you something. We don't define death like the world defines death. You define death how God defines death. Because let me tell you something. God can give the spirit. God can take the spirit. And when God takes the spirit, that's when he says, you dead. Until that happens. You stay with what God says, and you let man do what he does. Now, that's just one many of many examples. Someone says, well, you know, there was a great plane, plane crash, and it must have been a miracle because only one person survived. Guess what? Their name wasn't on the list. Well, no miracle. Just one day time to go. That's all. Because when God calls you, you got to go. He has promises to keep. He has promises to keep. And so he says to us, look, you need to focus on my word, my faith, because if you do that and you continue to grow and you continue to mature, I'm going to bless you like I blessed Abraham. You will be able to fulfill that which I have commanded of you. 
And so John says, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Now Paul echoes this because Paul says to us in Timothy, remember Paul is an apostle. He's endowed with the Holy Spirit of God as well as John. And he helps us to understand something. In 2 Timothy 4, Paul talks about this crown of life. And he makes it very clear that, that as we continue to, to, um, to focus on growing and developing in our lives, he says there's a promise that, that, that we need to focus on, that we need to rest our faith in. In 2 Timothy 4, Paul talks about the, 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 the hearing of God's word. Now, I'm going to read through this very quickly, but, but the, when I get to the point, I'll show you that this, this crown of righteousness that John talks about in the Revelation, in the book of eschatology, the last thing, Paul has already taught to uh, Timothy, a preacher of the gospel, who was to take that same word back to the churches, and the epistles were supposed to be read in everywhere and in every church. So everyone can understand that there's a promise that God is going to keep. And that promise is that if you're faithful, you're going to receive a crown of life that fadeth not away. In 2 Timothy 4, and verse number 1, Paul says, I charge thee. He's saying to Timothy, therefore before God and our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, he says to Timothy. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when thou shalt not, they shall not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itch and ears, and they shall be turned away, they shall turn away rather their ears from the truth, and they and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul says, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. I'm sorry, I finished my course. I kept the faith. Henceforth, there is. I, I want you to see that transition. He says, I fought a good fight. That tells you that the life of a Christian is one that is in battle. And you're not fighting against flesh and blood. You're fighting against wickedness. You're fighting against, you're fighting against trying to stay out of the prison of sin. Right? You, that's your fight. That's your battle. Because, see, people can draw you into sin or you can put yourself in sin. Either way, sin leads unto death. Amen. Amen. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's Romans chapter 6. And so what he says is, he says, look, I fought a good fight. And when you fight a good fight, let me tell you something. The only good fight that you can fight against Satan is a good fight that's fought with the word of God. Because you can't fight against Satan with your philosophy. You can't fight against Satan with your good intentions. Amen. You can only fight against Satan with the word of God. And that's what strengthens you. That's what emboldens you. It's your understanding of God's word. Because when you understand God's word and you're applying it to your life, that is what is strengthening you. That is what, that is, what is making your weak knees strong. 
because you have the word of God in you. And, your, and the word of God, thank you, Lord Jesus. The word of God can lead you. As David says, the word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my pathway. It can lead you. But not only can it lead you, but it can strengthen you. As Jesus said to Paul, and Paul says back to Jesus, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. God's word is able to do those things. And so we need to understand that, that when we're dealing with this thing of the promises, Paul says, if you want to accomplish it, if, if you want to get to the end, you've got to finish your course. You can't stop in the middle. You can't stop in the middle. Now, I, I, I want to show something with you because... I want to share something with you because, because it's important. And, 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 and I think it has practical application. You can see it because I pray with this thing. You know, I, 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 in, in my life, I've always considered myself to be athletic. I, I, I ran track. I played football. I played basketball, baseball. I, I, I've always done this. And I want you to try to embrace this from the perspective of, of an athlete. When you're running in the hurdles, the most embarrassing thing that happens is when you, you hit a hurdle and you fall. It, it, it's just because, you know, it, 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 it's devastating. Emotionally, and it hurts. get back into the next into the next race and try to run again because see now you you have that complex and you're nervous about hitting another hurdle. You know the best thing you can do in a, in, in a race where you run hurdles? When you hit that hurdle and you fall you got to stay focused on the finish line. And as long as you can keep running, keep running until the race is over. And even if the person loses that physical race, when it comes to spirituality, finish the course. He didn't say you're going to outrun somebody else. Just finish it. And you'll receive a crown of life that fades not. Amen. Because when you finish this course, when you finish this race, 
I hope that when your eulogy is read, that they can say something about how you spent your life in service of others and helping other people. Amen. But finishing the course is what it's about. Paul says, I fought a good fight. I want you to see the first person singular. I fought a good fight. He didn't talk about Peter's fight. He didn't talk about Apostles' fight. He didn't talk about Peter's fight, John's fight, James' fight. He didn't talk about Matthew's fight, Mark's fight, fight, and, and Luke's fight. He didn't talk about anybody else's fight. He didn't talk about Abraham's fight. He didn't talk about Noah's fight. He didn't talk about Sarah's fight. He didn't talk about Moses' fight. He didn't talk about Elijah's fight. He didn't talk about Nehemiah's fight, Jeremiah's fight. He didn't talk about Isaiah's fight. He said, I fought. I fought this fight. And you know what? I finished. I finished my course. We may not all go down the same course of life. But let me tell you something. Whatever course of life God sends you on, keep fighting the fight. Keep fighting the fight. Paul said, I fought a good fight. And I fought this good fight because I fought it with God's word. And we know where Paul came from. And we, we, we don't have to do with all that right now. But he says, I have finished my course. I'm at the end of my life. And I did all that I could to remain faithful. And he says, now I have kept the faith. Because God makes promises. And God keeps his promises. He said, I kept the faith. And notice, there's only one mediator between God and man. And by the way, that same mediator that will mediate for you and I is the same mediator that will mediate mediate for the apostles. Amen. They have one mediator too. And that's Christ. And so imagine for a moment if you can, imagine for a moment in your spiritual hearts if it is the case that you can see this, this metaphorical idea of standing before the judgment bar of God and you have Christ next to you because Christ is your mediator. He's your advocate. There's only one mediator between God and man and that is Christ Jesus. Imagine for a moment that Paul is standing next to Christ and Christ is standing next to Paul and Paul says over to Jesus, I fought a good fight. And Jesus turns to him and says, I know. Henceforth, there's a, there's laid up for me, Paul says, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So Paul lets us know that not only, not only can that you can have the same confidence that Paul had when Paul says, I fought a good fight. I've kept, I finished my course and I, and I kept the faith. 
And now I know that there's a crown of righteousness that the Lord, the righteousness will give me. Paul includes all of us in that conversation because he says, unto all those who love his appearance. So Paul echoes revelations. He echoes John in understanding the importance of understanding the importance of the promise that God has left behind, which is the promise of everlasting life. I'm going to ask you to turn back over to Hebrews chapter 6 as I make a segue to, to a point where I can close, and we'll pick up some more of this later. A promise made, a promise kept. So back in Hebrews chapter 6, we find ourselves, and, and, and I, I ask you to drop down. Uh, to verse number three, because he begins to talk about that maturity and that growth that takes place, and, and, and you can see that through what we just discussed, that it is, it, is, it is imperative that we as children of God understand that we need to grow, and we need to grow to the point where we let the world stay behind as we continue to let God's word shape and mold our lives for our eternal existence. He says, and this we will do if God permit." In other words, don't stop teaching about baptism. Don't stop, don't stop teaching about uh, uh, those things that are uh, fundamental to the foundation and principles of the church. Don't stop teaching those things. But, but as children of God, we, we need to grow from those things and mature where we are into the meat of God's word. Because the meat of God's word is not, is not nestled into baptism uh, 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 and being added to the body. Those are things that are imperative and will never go away. The meat of God's word is, will you change? Will you become that which is a living sacrifice? Verse number four. For it's impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of a world to come. If they shall fall away, and that's where the issue is with the apostasy. If they shall fall away, if you let your past catch up with you, it can drag you back into it. And so he says, if they shall fall away, fall away from what? When you stop listening to God's word, when you stop letting God's word shape and mold your life, when you stop focusing on the promise of God, you fall away. You fall away. I went to Revelations to show you the, the, the figurative language about 10 days because let me tell you something. Sometimes life continues on and, and continues on and continues on. And sometimes we become so impatient. Amen. We're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. We come, become so impatient. And then we start doubting whether or not there is an eternal life. And let me tell you something. The devil got you right where he wants you. We remember that song. Now, I don't want you to sing it with me, but I'll, I'll say it in, 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 a, in a melodious tone. Be ready when he comes. You know, we should sing that song. Glory be. Be ready when he comes. We should sing that song. Because he's coming again. 
know you want, you don't want to go until you're ready. And so the song says, well, you just said be ready. <laughs> be ready every day. Strive to be ready to go. Because we don't know when he's coming again, but we know he's coming again soon. He says, it is impossible for those who've once been enlightened, if you fall away, and this is, the, this is the danger of being a member of the body of Christ, the church of Christ, and then letting your past catch up with you, letting the devil's influences that he has left behind uh, sway you and move you away from the hope of God for the promises of, uh, promises of God. This is the danger, because he says, if you fall away, you have to understand it. He said, now you've tasted the word, you understand what the worship is all about, you've been baptized, you know the church, you've had all these things presented unto you, but you've left them. That's why he says, you fall away. You fall away from those principles. You fall away. And he says, Once you when you fall away, he says, look, it's impossible to renew you in that, he says, look, if, 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 if you left that which you were given, then the possibility of you coming back across that same road is zero. You may die in your sin. And if you die in your sin where he is, you cannot come. He's speaking about apostasy. And so he says, look. Verse number six, six and six. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. Why? Because they were once they were once taught about repentance and it was hopeful that they understood what it meant to be freed from sin and unlocked from the prison and the cage of the devil to follow after righteousness. It was thought that they understood that. And so now if they go back to that which they had been freed from, the possibility of them, if you will, remaining strong and faithful in the word of God and coming back to it is is, is, is nil. They're jeopardizing their souls. And so he writes to the Hebrews and he says, you all need to keep this in perspective. And so since he thinks it's important for the Hebrews to keep it in perspective, surely we ourselves should keep it in perspective that we need to make sure that we continue to fight a good fight and finish this course. Finish our course. And we need to keep the faith so that we may obtain that crown of righteousness that fadeth not away. And as I close right here, he says, and have tasted, I'm sorry, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. You see, Christ says he doesn't want you to be ashamed of him. He wants you to be ashamed of sin. Because if you are ashamed of sin, then it is the purpose of God to provide you with a roadmap that leads you to heaven's glory. And so if you are ashamed of sin, that means that you're looking a way to come out of sin. You're looking for a way to come out of the prison of sin. And God says, if you stay with my word, if you stay focused on my promise of, 
of eternal life and receiving a crown of righteousness and receiving, if you will, a, 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 as John would say, if you will, a crown of life. That fate is not a way. He said, here's the pathway. Here's the way that you can come. And Jesus says, I am the way. And he's making a promise. As I close, John 14 is about a promise. And Jesus made this promise and Jesus is going to keep this promise. I want you to hear it and I'm going to hear it as I close. Let me tell you something. In John 14 and 1, he says, if you will, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. So Jesus made a promise. Now we know he went back to heaven's glory. Because Acts chapter 1 shows us that he did so. The book of Daniel says that he arrived in heaven on a cloud. Acts chapter 1 says he was taken up in a cloud. So unless he switched clouds, amen. Acts chapter 1 said they saw him taken up in a cloud. Daniel said... He arrived into heaven on a cloud. And when he arrived in heaven on a cloud, he was given a kingdom and dominion. So he's in heaven. So the only part of his promise that he has remaining is that he's going to come to you. And the chief of unto himself that where he is, he should be there also. See, I'm waiting on that day. And so until that day comes, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to strive to be faithful unto death. I've given you the word of God. So now, so now you, this, this is just him. No, you read it for yourself. Amen. So now you read it. The prayer is that you allow the seed of God's word to be planted in your spiritual minds, your hearts. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And know this. As we've read many times before, Hebrews 11, 6, it says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. But he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Reward of what? Of those promises. Those promises. And Luke 13, 3 and 5 says, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You acknowledge that you've fallen short of God's glory. But he says, look, everybody has to do that. Acts 17, 30, he commanded every man everywhere to repent. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, as we've been quoting all morning. One day with God is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like one day. In other words, you don't have all the time you think you have. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the time of salvation. This is time 
for you to prepare if you want to receive a crown that says indictment. Mm -hmm. We can about sin. God wishes none to perish, but that all should come unto repentance. We confess Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. Romans 10 and 9, with the mouth we confess Christ Jesus. Romans 10, 10 and 10, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We go down in that watery grave of baptism where the blood of Christ cleanses us from all of our past sins. In other words, the penalty of what we did in the past, which was considered sin, has now been washed away or covered by the blood of Christ. And now we can walk in the newness of life. And so God says, it's time for you to come. It's time for you to come. And James says, James says, boast not yourself of tomorrow, for you know not what a day may bring forth. All you have is right now. And I pray, I pray that today, that you give your life to God. And if you're here this morning, and you're not a member of the body of Christ, take this as a day of mercy. A day of mercy. Because God has given you another day to live. To give you time to obey the gospel. And if you're here this morning and you are a member of the body of Christ, the church of Christ, not only should you take this as a day of mercy, but also take it as a day of grace because now you have an opportunity to ask God for forgiveness. Amen. To strengthen you again when you get back on your journey toward heaven's glory. When you receive the crown of life that fades not away. Why don't you do that right now? Why don't you come as we stand and sing the invitational song? Why don't you come? 988. When the Savior calls, I will answer. When he calls for me, I will hear. When the Savior calls, I will answer. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. Oh, I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. Yes, for my name. Oh, I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. And if my heart is right when he calls me, if my heart is right, I will hear. If my heart is right when he calls me, I'll be somewhere listening for my name. Oh, I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. Yes, for my name. Oh, I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening for my name.